0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of For the Good of the Game, a unique podcast dedicated to providing football insights and life skills. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, guys, JD coming to you from Dallas, Texas today with another episode of For the Good of the Game. We have a really special guest today. I'm excited to present the, in my humble opinion, and many opinions, statistically and athletically, the all-time best receiving fullback in the history of the National Football League. Larry Centers is with us. Larry is born in Tyler, Texas. He uh, hails from uh, Stephen F. Austin as as uh, lumberjacks is right, coach. Right. Yeah, like Stephen F. Austin uh, University, uh, and then played in the league for 14 years, predominantly with the Cardinals. And we've, we've we're going to get to all of that. But I just, uh, Coach, I really wanted to say thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and you've got your own business interests, and, and we'll plug those at the end of this, um, talk a little bit about that. But uh really appreciate you taking the time, you know, on a on a a busy time of the year to be able to come down and spend a little time with us here today. So welcome to the program, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. It's an honor. Yeah, I, uh, I know that, uh, you know, we were talking off camera about, uh, you, you know, you were exploring the opportunity to get into a little bit of this. So hopefully – this might be a, uh, a good experience. Hopefully some things that, that uh, would be positive and not too many things you want to avoid that we did wrong. But uh, we're really excited. I want to give, uh, give you a few minutes to kind of talk about a little bit of your journey in football starting off. So from whenever you actually first realized, hey, this is a pretty good game, to the point at which maybe you went to Stephen F., how did that, how did that journey go along as a young football player?
1: Well, I started out playing uh, Little League football in the fifth grade and uh, played at a little town called, in a little town called Longview, about two hours east of here. And, um, you know, kind of scared when I first started playing. It didn't feel too good when I hit people or when I got hit. But um, came from a football background, football family. Uh, my brothers played, my uh, cousins played. So um, got an opportunity to play early. Played all the way through until I um, went to, to Forest Park Middle School, Longview High School. Played there for two years. Ended up not playing my junior season. Um, I got kicked off the team for missing a study hall, and uh, decided I wasn't going to play football anymore. And um, got a job as a dishwasher at a local restaurant, and uh, went to the games on on uh, Fridays when I had a Friday off. And I was sitting in the stands watching guys that I had played played against in Little League, listening to the people talk about how good these players were, thinking to myself that hey, I was just as good, but you know nobody would ever know it sitting up here in the stands. So. Uh, my my mother was an administrator in uh, in a neighboring school district. So, my parents decided to move, and my younger brother and I moved with her. Got a chance to play one one year of varsity ball at Tatum High School, uh, the Tatum High School Eagles, and um, had a great season. We went deep into the playoffs. We only lost uh, one game the whole season. Um, had a guy from Marshall named Bubba Murph who knew my mom, and. Uh, Knew my older brother had gone to the University of Arkansas, mm-hmm. and uh, he knew a guy that who was coaching at Stephen F. Austin named Lynn Graves. So he contacted me, and um, he recruited me down to Stephen F. Austin. I was recruited by uh, several junior colleges, and uh, really thought about going the JUCO route for a while, but um, really wanted to go to Texas Tech or Baylor, but they were kind of hemming and hawing and really didn't want to offer me anything. Uh, Lynn Graves was giving offering me four-year scholarship. He said, son, we're going to offer you a, a scholarship, a four-year scholarship. Anything else you get down here, you got to earn it. And uh, that statement alone kind of uh, sealed the deal for me. You know, I am I like, I'm a guy that likes to put the, you know, put half the pressure here and put half, half the other pressure on this shoulder and let's see if I can carry the load.
0: That's so. awesome. So there was, you obviously, you talked about, you know, you want to take Part of the chip on one shoulder, and one on the, part on the other, and make it happen. A hard-working, hard nosed guy. D- the do you think ultimately that him making that offer to you at that point in the manner in which he did, kind of uh, put it over to the top, and, and looking back, you, you look back with no regrets. You think that was the right decision?
1: I mean, in retrospect, yes. And you know, I'm very leery when I look back about things that have happened in my past to to change anything, because you know, you change one thing, and we're not sitting here now. So,
0: That's right, the so I, you know, try effect. to
1: as they say, yeah, as they say though, count it all joy. you know everything that happens, you either you know grow from it or you you know if you don't even if you don't succeed the first time you grow or you learn something. So you know I heard a quote the other day experience um, brings knowledge and knowledge brings confidence and confidence brings success. And so if you look at things in that order, then they usually work out pretty good.
0: Now, do you think that uh, the year you spent working, and sitting in the stands hearing those people talk, uh, and and having the perspective of knowing some of the guys on the field, did that also contribute to a little bit of that inner drive, you think?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. When I look back at it, you know, again, I had played against some of those guys since Little League. You know, remember I told you I started in the fifth grade. Right. And so I had competed against those guys and had some success against them. But here I am in the stands. Now I'm no longer a player, and I'm looking at the – at the way that these people are looking at these guys as, as being great, and in my own mind, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I'm just as good. I Just, you know, nobody ever know with me sitting in the stands. So that kind of fueled my desire to get back on the field.
0: It's interesting because I, uh, I experienced a similar situation and sat out a year when I was a youngster, and um, I, I think that uh, there, there's definitely it's. You you don't know that there's this latent love for the game inside of you, but once you've played, to me, that's what it was anyway. It sounds like you had a little of that same feeling, you know. It says there's something in you that's got to come out. Now, I mm-hmm. certainly wasn't nearly as talented as what you were, but it, it was. I think that it it does. It provides that inner drive as opposed to external motivation, which can go away, you know. I so know. so you get uh, you get to Stephen F. and uh, and you know, obviously the the a lot of people. There, there have been many success stories in the NFL coming out of smaller schools. Um, I guess, I guess technically, Stephen F is considered now what we would call FCS. Is 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 it one? It, was well, it used to be all one AA. It's yes, one AA. Yeah, one AA. So um, the uh, you know whether the expectations are just you know lower because people are so used to being around the you know listening to and hearing seeing the Power Five conferences they they don't realize in those circles what kind of talent is is on some of those teams so kind of describe that journey through Stephen F and that that collegiate career that you had while you were there
1: well i think you hit the nail on the head by saying that you know when you when you step away from it you know you learn that you have a love for the game that has to come from within and as you mentioned as opposed to those external forces that may change you know you when you when you're building a desire from from the inside out you know, you're, you're always going to pretty much stay consistent with your motivation. And, um, you know, I had, you know, coming from a smaller school, I didn't know how I was going to match up with the guys at the collegiate level, you know, just like any young kid. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't didn't know. I was apprehensive about it. Um, I thought that they were going to be much better than they were um, talent-wise across the board. But when I got there, probably the first week or so, you know, I told my, my roommate, I said, hey, man, I'm going to the pros. Like the first week that I got to see F after, after watching the the talent level, you know, not to say anything negative about my teammates. Right. But uh but I just expected so much more on a uh, on a talent level. I you know, I kinda of built up this this idea in my head that these guys were gonna be world beaters. And when I got there, you know, you know, I'm looking around and the same thing actually happened to me when I when I got to the next level and went to the pros. I felt pretty much the same way.
0: Did you do you think that uh um did, had you ever experienced in, in your own mind prior to that moment when you told your roommate, hey, I'm going to the pro, had you ever really had a thought? I mean, all, all of us probably do when we're younger in the backyard throwing a ball, but had you ever really had a goal of, I'm going to get to the NFL?
1: Um, Yes. Yes. I, you know, jokingly said it. I grew up in a football family. As I mentioned, my uh, my grandmother was probably one of the biggest Cowboys fans ever, and um, used to, after church on Sundays, I used to lay on the floor in front of her TV and watch the games and Listen to her coach coach him up, you know. When <laughs> That's awesome. She coach, coached them just as hard when they won as as she did when they lost. So you know, so I, I kinda got that and and um got that, that teaching early and uh and I thought I could make it to the pros. Um, you know, I mentioned it, you know how just as a as a young kid I think we all do that at some point. Sure. Think that you can do it. You know, but uh
0: Well at what point when you were at Stephen F, I'd not, I'd, I I I want to make a, a kind of a juxtaposition. You talk about the fact that again you know, no disrespect to intended to any teammates or anything, but with the expectations that you had built up in your own mind, that level of competition and talent didn't necessarily measure up to what you had imagined. When you went, as you went through your career at Stephen F. prior to getting drafted, um, did did you? Did you always kind of feel like that propelled you forward? That that thought, you know, I'm gonna, I've got to work that much harder because I want to be, I want to continue to be better than the than the than the average competition.
1: I mean, no doubt about it. Um, You know, even when I'm working out, when I'm preparing to go into training camp, for for instance, uh, from any one given year, in my own mind, I prepare against opponent that I think is almost unbeatable, and um, that fuels my you know my desire to go out and and take myself to the limit. You know so you know it's just a a way of of challenging myself I guess internally as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know because I I have a um, a desire to win and uh and I absolutely have a distaste for losing. It doesn't feel good.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've heard more than one athlete uh and and business people too, but I've used a form of the quote, you know, it's it's not so much that I need to win, but it's that I absolutely hate to lose more than I need to win.
1: Yes, and, it's a combination of the two, and I think the the, dri- the driving forces fluctuate from time to time depending on the situation that you're in at the moment.
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's it's interesting because uh, I work with a Dr. Gary Russell has a, a a group called the Winning Profile, and they talk about that the fact that you know, when, when that, that motivation needs to come from within, there needs to be an internal, um, energy that drives you because, uh, and, and as a young man in particular, I was always very much motivated by the external, you know, the, the great song or, uh, uh, you know, something that was more uh, visceral that you feel, but the reality is you can get, you can go a lot further and get a lot more done. If you can master that inner beast, you know, and really set that drive. So you get drafted and you, you come into the league and, and, It had, I guess, kind of a maybe by some people's standards based on the way you finished your career, uh, maybe what would be called a little bit of a slow start. But, you know, you started out and the I guess the the second year was a little bit better and kind of built from there. I I was blown away going back. And of course, I I saw you play. and, And I but going back and looking at some of your highlights, it just I guess the part that stood out to me was the the degree, not only the great hands, but the degree of toughness that you exhibited. Now is a little bit of that drive coming through in the way that you ran behind your pads, the way that you would take the punishment to the defensive player as you were running the ball.
1: Absolutely, you know the you know I always all my coaches have always said, you know at the point of contact be the hammer and not the nail, mm-hmm. and so you want to deliver the blow, you know. And I mentioned in little league I didn't like getting hit at all, and either way it's going to hurt a little bit, so you might as well deliver the punishment rather than receive it.
0: Absolutely, you know it's interesting because I've I've told a lot of parents that have timid kids and and not that you were necessarily timid, but I think we all feel initially you feel that reservation um, is that you can, you can take an aggressive kid and teach him how to play anything sp- specifically tackle football, but you can't coach aggression into a kid. And I see that, that mistake being made a lot of times at the younger levels, you, you, you kind of let a kid grow into it. Kind of like you talked about, you did. Wasn't real comfortable feeling, but you kind of got used to it. I, uh, I, I really, uh, uh, appreciate the perspective of of the hammer and not the nail. Uh, I grew up in high school and college playing quarterback, so I was, you know, I, I was never I never shied away from contact, but also was in a position where I wasn't having to deliver the blows very often. And uh and I think that that's one thing that you, as a football player and as a fan, um and then knowing you and having seen you coach and stuff, it's it's really cool to look back on it through those lenses and then really kind of take a, a, a short term view. When you when you think back on uh, the uh, the college career, um, do you necessarily have a, a seminal moment or maybe a coach that stands out in your mind that kind of drove you forward or something that happened that really pushed you prior to getting to the NFL?
1: Well, you know, one thing comes to mind when, when you ask that question. Um, I had a guy named um, Jim Ferguson who was a receivers coach. And he was also... Um, you know, turned out to be a good friend. He was a younger coach at the time. He mm-hmm. was a, a tennis coach also, and I took tennis. And we were talking after a class, and I said, Coach, you know, man, I'm, this is my freshman year. I said, mm-hmm. Coach, I'm a little frustrated, man. They're not playing me. He said, you know, make them play you. I said, what do you mean? He said, make them play you. Go out and you practice. Practice full speed. Make it practice in such a way that they know, the coaches, the people making that decision, They look crazy for not playing you like based on how you practice, how you improve, and how you approach your craft. And that that conversation kind of lit a fire under me, and I stopped worrying about not being on the field. I started worrying about what it took to get onto the field, and that helped me a lot.
0: That's phenomenal. Cal Newport wrote a book that I read recently called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and that's exactly that philosophy. And that's – that opens my eyes a little bit now. Looking at your career, um, you know, because it's—I think a lot of people focus on the receptions because it's not always that you know. I mean, face it, reality. One, we've gotten away from fullbacks in the NFL, so and even at the college level, uh, across the board. But you don't typically look to your fullback to be one of your better receivers. You know, he's going to have to block. He's going to have to tow the load and then tote the rock in you know tough situations. So. I uh I I think that um that facet of of your inner drive it it comes through in just watching you and the way you run and perform. So when when you get drafted and you and you get into the league um how did it compare you went through the experience at Stephen F with uh, the the expectations were a little bit higher than what the reality was you dealt with. How did that transfer when you stepped up, you know, cuz now you got this guy who told his roommate, hey, I'm going pro, you know. Yeah. And and you, you certainly must have had some expectations about what you were going to find when you got to, into the NFL as well. How did that work out?
1: Well, you know, very similar to my expectations being, you know, higher when I went to college. Um, you know, you all everybody knows that, you know, we're playing with grown men now when you get to the pros. And, you know, I don't want to – I knew a bunch of people back home who who had an excuse for why they didn't make it, you know the coach didn't like me, the, my agent screwed me or, you know, the situation I got hurt or I had a kid or whatever, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, when you start making excuses, anything fits in the blank. Absolutely. And so I, I um, kind of made up in my mind that when I got there, if I, if I came home, it was going to be because I wasn't good enough. It wasn't going to be because I didn't work and I didn't do my part, you know, and I remember, you know, asking God to just give me the ability to, uh, to be, to play at that level and I'll do the work you know and uh and it worked out you know I um went out and it didn't work out right off the bat you know Arizona drafted four running backs the year I came in so mm-hmm. um so the competition was pretty fierce you know um um I I didn't play early you know they I thought I was going to get cut I didn't even play in the last preseason game so I just knew man you know I'm out of here you know I kind of had my head down a little bit but made the team um they liked me. I, again, went back out on scout team. They, I wasn't playing at all. I was inactive every week. But um, when I went out on scout team, that was my game day. I went out and I, you know, I gave it to our first team defense, you know, talked trash to them. And, again, with the philosophy of be so good that they can't ignore you. You know, I uh, I got scout team player of the week every week almost when I was a, a rookie. And uh, finally, toward the end of the year, they started letting me get in on special teams and and uh got out there and made some plays and bided my time by playing special teams and finally got an opportunity to get on the field and made the most of it.
0: I gotta tell you, it, it does my heart good to hear you say that. And and not because it's at the NFL and it's it's coming from a guy I respect and I know had a great career, but because so many young people need to hear that at every level. And the same is true. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at. If you can have if you can muster the courage and the drive to be so good they can't ignore you, it'll eventually come around, you know. And and I just, I, I truly believe that so many kids nowadays miss that point. They get so caught up in, because of the social media crazy world we live in.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, we live in a, as you say, a microwave society, you know, where people don't know that there's a, a price and a process, a price to be paid and a process to endure before you get to, to, to realize your dreams. So.
0: Let me ask you, and I don't want to go into this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a, a highlight video, and and I, I want to, we're, I'm just gonna play it muted so that we can talk a little bit while we do it. But, uh, um, what starting in year two, you go through what you just described with, you know, scout team player of the week, and you get in on special teams. Going into year two, um, what had you focused in on at that point? that you learned from that first year to say, man, my offseason is going to be spent doing X, Y, and Z. What did did you focus on?
1: Well, well, I focused on pass protection. You know, um, I talked to the head coach about, you know, my playing time. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, you'll probably get on the field faster than you realize if you just work on your pass pro. And so I went to work on that and, you know, became really proficient in, in protecting the passer. I knew what the linemen were doing you know, and I knew blitzes, I knew, you know, where the, where the pressure was coming from. And, and I excelled in that area. And as a result, that helped me get onto the field during passing situations. And as you know, things would go, a few passes came my way and, um, you know, made the most of them, had some yak, some, or some rack run, run after the catch right? and, uh, yards after the catch. And, um, You know, they started going to me. I started, started being a a guy that the quarterback started looking for, and uh, you know, I'm I'm real proud of. I I had great hands. I thought going in, I went into Stephen F. as a receiver. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, I had had an opportunity to go in as a DB, um, a receiver, or a running back, and I chose receiver, and broke my pinky, and as a result, went to scout team running back, and uh, started playing running back. But then when I got to the pros, I started playing running back and started ended up catching the ball more so you know can't can't make this stuff up up, man yeah i know you you know but uh, it all comes full circle but again beyond it all you know the biggest thing is make the most of every opportunity you know that's that's my my philosophy and um i like to think that i was able to do that
0: well i tell you it was funny because i started looking several weeks ago and then the last few days and we're preparing for this starting to read and and kind of look through, and and that's when I, I told you before we came on camera. I really, I, I kind of backed off of what I originally was going to do because I started watching some of the highlights, and uh, and, and and interestingly, there were one or two plays that I I vaguely actually remember seeing when they happened. But this, it's the, the several things impressed me, and and I wanted to ask you about the the work regimen when you when you when you would go into this. Um, you you obviously. I I've said it already. You you were known as being a tough runner anyway. You ran behind your pads, as they say. You're going to deliver the blow, uh, you, the way you put it, being the hammer, not the nail. But the the just the degree of how you were gifted with a soft touch and being able to receive the ball in many different you know body positions and and angles while you're running and stuff, and then turning around and as you said, yak or rack yard after the catch. You know, and then immediately shifting from that, okay, now I'm receiver, the ball's secure, now I'm going to take it on and hit somebody. Um, did you make it a focus of your off-season workouts or even during the year? Now, I'm not talking drills, but what did you do individually to make sure each aspect and facet of your game improved? Um,
1: just learn from every experience. You know, I, um, I, practiced hard. Mm-hmm. I practiced hard. I practiced so hard at times that the games were really easy. And I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, I I put myself to the test during practice. I mean, I, I would catch the ball and run. We we would be at our own 20. If I got the ball, I would run all the way to the end zone, almost every play, and try to run all the way back before the next play is called. And that was a form of conditioning. And what I learned with that is it helped me in so many different ways. Number one, conditioning. And number two, tempo. Um and and just understanding the the speed of the game, making the game slow down for you when it's actually game time.
0: Yeah. I've that that's I mean I've I've heard the technique in terms of catching. In fact, you know I, I think probably the other guy that is noted for that is is Jerry Rice because he always you know he would take the ball all the way down, just like you described. One, I think that's genius from a conditioning standpoint. But two, it also it absolutely leads to setting the stage for leadership on the team because you're setting an example that others can follow. And certainly, I guarantee if they didn't ever say it, they were looking up to you for it. Uh, but also, the tempo piece, I had never thought about that. that. That's just genius. I mean, I i was never in a position to do that, you know, as a player. But uh, I, I love that aspect of it. When you go back through this, what 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 type of stuff – you know what was going through your mind in some of these situations where you know you were you were on the field making that making those natural moves as it were well
1: you know again the game you know, you, you 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 deal with what you see in front of you a lot of times because you've practiced it a lot of you've seen the situation you just react more than you make a decision mm-hmm. you know so a lot of times it was just feel just um want to push the ball upfield Want wanted to maximize every opportunity. You know, the guys on the other side of the ball, they get paid too. So sometimes you're not going to win all of them, but, you know, you definitely go into it with the attitude that you're going to win every single one of them. So that's kind of how I approach the game every every game. I, I went into every game knowing at, at, a, at the highlight of my career, went into every game understanding that I'm going to make plays. I'm going to make plays. If they get me the ball, I'm going to make plays. I don't know how it's going to happen but I will make plays. And so with that attitude it's you know, once you get it in your hands, go forward. Anybody's in the way. Hey, it's their problem.
0: Yeah. I, I love that attitude. and I, I, I love the, uh, several things that you've in the last few minutes that you, that you've talked about that I would highlight for any young players that might be looking at this. It it's, It's not arrogance if you back it up. So when you have confidence in yourself and you know that you have the work ethic and the drive to go out and turn something into an opportunity and that you know, you can work to overcome the mistakes that are going to happen, the downfalls that are going to happen. I think that uh, that's the kind of guidance that you would want, you know, any young kid, whether it's our own kids or a, a kid we might be coaching to, to take to the bank. And, and I appreciate so much that that, Came through in this interview, but also it, it now just sitting here talking to you. It just it really opens my eyes to so much more to appreciate what I see on the screen when I look at your highlights because it it really defines you as a player looking through that lens. When you when you look back at uh, your pro career, um, it, it's interesting because I was telling Julie uh, before the before we started talking. Um, I know several other players who uh, happened to uh, when Super Bowl rings later in their career, and and you you know you it can be a, a circumstance, it can be the right time and the right place, it can be a number of things. What do you see as you go through and look back? The bulk of your career spent with the Cardinals, really making making bank, if you will, not not talking about the money side of it, but from a talent standpoint, and then playing for those three other teams, and then ending with with the Super Bowl run with the Patriots. Um, what what did you pull from all of that previous success? that got you to that point and and really helped you capitalize on that opportunity?
1: Well, never never quit. You know, never quit. And uh, I knew this when I was playing with the Cardinals, or I felt that, you know, as a fan of the game, you know, I remember I, I was a little kid watching the game. You know, this is an honor to be out here on the field. You know, I'm in the pros, actually. I used to look around and just think to myself, you know, look at all the people in the stands and say, hey, I'm I'm here. You know, I'm in the pros. And so – you know, I'm not really worried as much about what's on the scoreboard because I can only control one piece of that, you know, through my approach, through my attitude, through, you know, I, I only have one little piece that I can control. You know, one person can't do it all. And so it, you have to put it all together. And the main thing is just do your job. You know, do, do what you can do and try not, as, as much as you can, can help it, try not to let the other stuff get you too down if it's not going the way you want it to go.
0: Now, in, in your career did you run into guys, maybe even guys you tried to help that you saw going down the wrong road because vanity got in the way or they got mad and
1: I mean, you know, it's a uh it's a matrix of things that, you know, you got egos, you got attitudes, you got, you know, all kinda of stuff, all kinda of moving parts. But um, you know, as they say, put your mask on first and then help those people around you. So I had to make sure that I was taking care of what I had to take care of with the with the understanding that you know, I I try to encourage guys along the way, but I was never really a talkative guy. Mm-hmm. A lot, you know, I'm, I don't really like the rah 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 uh, when I when I was playing. You know, I think um, the people who do all the talking are still trying to make their minds up, and uh, just go out and get it done and and lead by example. You know, in preparation, you know, on and off the field, try to be a good guy. You know, I I like to think that I was a great teammate. You know. Um, um, what was your question? You're saying, no, <laughs> you,
0: you, you pretty much answered it. I think you have kind of demonstrated it a couple of different ways, and certainly in uh, you know when people can see what what the the tail of the tape, is, they say, is. You were kind of guy that you know reported for work. You picked up your lunchbox. You reported for work. You did your job and 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 did it to the very best of your ability, and went home at the end of the day feeling good about that.
1: Absolutely, and they pay coaches to coach, you know, they pay players to play, and so I went out and I tried to go out and earn my paycheck every week. I never wanted to walk back in the door and have to and not be able to look the people in the eye when I, when I picked up my check. So, you know, um, I like to think I was a pretty good, pretty good pro and, you know, pretty good player.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to run through uh, some, uh, random questions here at the end. I kind of like I refer to it as the two minute drill, but just because that's appropriate for football. All right. Um, when you look back at your, uh, starting in the fifth grade, you look back at the youth, football you did you have a specific uh coach that that you remember or team you played on that was kind of seminal in your mind That really helped push you forward you know something that really stands out in your mind it was a a, a marquee moment
1: it wasn't a coach but a moment that stands out was I took an automotive technology class in high school and it was taught by a guy who was an an ex-marine and he was a little squirrely guy but he was mean and (laughs) You know, you couldn't, you couldn't even get a crack of, You couldn't get him to crack a, could never get him to crack a smile. But he took a liking to me, and um, he, he took me under his wing, and he encouraged me to run for, for office for, for the um, Vocational Clubs of America deal for hmm. president of, of our region. And he said, go home and make a speech. And I went home, and I made a speech and wrote it out. And then he made me stay after class one day. And he said, "Say your speech," and I said it. And I, and I, he said, "Memorize it." I memorized it, and I said it to him. He said, "No, say it again. Say it again. Say it again." When I, when I thought I knew it, he made me say it again. I, I, I he, he made me prepare, or he encouraged me to prepare on that speech to the point where I could say that speech backwards if I needed to. I knew, I knew it word for word. I knew it cold. And when I, when I delivered the speech, I nailed it. And I got a big ovation, and, and I won by a landslide. And um, that moment, that experience, you know, that teaching me that there's another level of preparation, a whole other level of preparation that a lot of people never really understand. I think that was one of the things that stands out in terms of helping me, you know, uh, develop into player that I ultimately became. That,
0: that is, that's such a tremendous story. It really is, especially because it's not centered in football. Um, I, I, when, you get to, uh, when you get beyond high school and got to college, was there a specific play or game that stands out in your mind at Stephen F. that you think back on and say, man, that was sweet?
1: Uh, several. Uh, first of all, um, I've developed a thing early in my college career I found out who made the films, who got the films ready, and I wanted to know when it was ready. And I went and watched it as soon as I could possibly physically get it and watch it. I sat down by myself and watched the tape. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how you see it looking through your helmet, but you don't know how it looks from from the uh, eye in the sky. Right. And so being able to as quickly as I could marry those two perspectives together helped me develop my game. But to answer your question, there's a play get that was a play against uh, Grambling. I think we played against Grambling, and it was a a catch over the middle. And uh, I caught the ball and uh, sp- sp- did a spin move back to the inside. But there was a guy coming from the inside about to. I saw him when I was spinning, and as soon as my foot hit the ground, I just planted it, and the guy just went right by me. And uh, you know, it was just I didn't I didn't plant it. It's just it was like dancing, and uh, that that stands out to me.
0: That's that's crazy because uh, on that little highlight reel we just looked at the very first play is you take the ball and you go off. It's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a off guard slash tackle type play on the left, and you did a jump cut where you jumped off your right foot, but your right foot was the first one to come down again, and it was like man that dude flew when he was going sideways. It, it was, and those kinds of things, you can't teach that. You know, that, that kind of stuff just happens. It's a natural reaction. I never did it, but, uh, but well, kudos
1: to you. Uh, well, you know, you're, you know, being able to, uh, um, you know, react with your body, what your eyes, see, and anticipate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being able to keep them in concert with one another, I think is the key to that. And, and again, that comes from practice and experience and having seen it before. You know, you just end up doing it without thinking about it.
0: But it's crazy that the, uh, the, the lesson that the teacher taught you uh, early on was it, it kind of permeated everything you did in terms of setting the stage for that success. And, and that makes perfect sense.
1: It does. It, you can eliminate, and my philosophy is you can eliminate a good percentage of your opponents just by outworking them. They may be more talented, but you can outwork, you can eliminate them, literally. Through just hard work, dedication, studying, knowing what you're 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 doing, understanding what you got going on, what you're faced with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have any uh a single favorite or favorite group of non football activities nowadays? Pool. Billi- really? Billiards. Billiards.
1: Ooh. Billiards. Yeah. I like to say I don't play pool, I play billiards. <laughs> but it sounds uh, a little more classic. Yeah, yeah. It's um you know, it's it's a, a way to be again introspective. Um the challenge comes from within. You know, you can't physically play defense against your opponent. You know, you can position it to where it's defense, but you can't physically, when when it's his turn to shoot or your opponent's turn to shoot, then it's completely out of your hands. But when it's your turn, you have complete control over what happens. And I, I enjoy that aspect of the
0: game. That's an awesome piece. It's it's a good insight into kind of your your competitive personality. And how that carryover from, you know, obviously being a football player goes into something like, like shooting pool, playing billiards. You know, that's really neat. What about uh, if, if, you, if nobody's around looking, what kind of favorite snack food do you like grabbing if you're, if, if you're by yourself?
1: Um, probably a Snickers. You know, I like the little bite size. But got to be careful because once I eat one, then, you know, I got to stop myself somewhere along the way. Kind of like the old late potato chip. <laughs> exactly. Nobody can eat just one. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. enjoy yeah. those.
0: I uh I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, uh talk a little bit about um what you're working on now. You had described earlier the business opportunity to the extent that you want to, um uh, kind of talk a little bit about what you're branching out into nowadays. Uh, tell us about that.
1: Oh, I want to do a little bit of everything. Um, I um started or co-founded this company called Core Sports and Entertainment, mm-hmm. where um, we try to help players keep their names relevant. You know, every player is, is famous at least three places where they're from, where they played college ball and where they played in the pros and kind of like we're doing now. I think it's always good to sit down and have these types of conversations because you, you gain so many different things from other guys' perspective. So we're, we're helping guys with, you know, resurrect their careers or their, their likenesses or, or images. Mm -hmm. Um, We, um, we do a comedy show at the Super Bowl every year. This, this past year was the fourth year that we've done it. Um, it's gone over really good. We had Ed, Ed Tutal jones Flozell Adams, Steve Berline. We've had Bubby Brister, um, and the list goes on. We've had a, a bunch of players to come in and participate. We have a panel where we, we get up and um, a guy has to convince the crowd that, that a, a little-known fact about a player on the panel is about them. So each guy has to lie to the crowd and make it convincing. Um, You know, I'm uh, working on a personal website. You know, ultimately what I want to do is I want to develop a website where I can put conversations like the one we're having and do snippets. And ultimately I want an online store where I sell memorabilia and, uh, you know, ball cases and that type of thing. I have this uh, pipe dream of uh, creating a system where I create commemorative game balls for little league football players, hmm. rather than a participation trophy, everybody gets a game ball instead. So that's one of my pipe dreams.
0: That's really cool. I think it's uh, it's always interesting to me uh, to not only obviously learn something new every time I sit down with one of these conversations. I learn something about the people, but it's also cool that you learn something about not just the player but the game and the perspective I I think I think that's probably the most important piece is is you really you said it a minute ago you really gain it a little bit different perspective and and seeing the world through their lens you know um David Diaz and Fonte famously called it my life through a face mask and uh you know I, I I love that that perspective so I uh I genuinely gain from every time we do this and I think that the cool thing is is for the good of the game was was not something that we just Came up with. I mean, 70% of kids in the United States nowadays stop playing youth sports by the age of 13. And my goal is to do everything I can, along with several other organizations that I'm trying to help and partner with, to drive that down because I think sports, not just football, but my passion is football, is so important. And to hear the life lessons, not just it's done through a football lens, but the life lessons that you learned, that you talked about, and what you applied is so important for those young people to hear, and young parents too. Yeah. It really is. So, uh, thank you from top to bottom for for taking the time to come in, and uh, especially because we hadn't seen each other in a long time. It's great to see you again, and uh, I just appreciate what you were able to accomplish. Congratulations on an awesome career, and certainly good luck going forward with what you're working on now.
1: Well, thank you. As I mentioned, it's an honor and a pleasure. Always great to catch up, and anytime you need me, I'm here.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Larry. Thanks very much. Listen, guys, this was a, a really eye-opening interview for me. And every time, as I said, I learned something, but I really want the young players that may see this to take that perspective and run with it. You know, talk that inner drive, the lessons that Larry talked about, and what you can do to turn that into success. You got to be consistent. You got to be willing to outwork your opponent. You have to be willing to do those things that other people aren't aren't ready to do or willing to do in order to achieve that long-term success. And arguably a 14-year career, and, and certainly by my standards and a lot of others being the, the all-time best receiving fullback in the history of the NFL, is not a shabby title to wear. So in addition to that Super Bowl ring he's got on his right hand right now, there's a lot of other accolades, but more so the look inside at the person and the great guy that he is. So I want to thank Larry again. Just remember, if you're out there, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. I hope that you'll uh, come back and see us soon. And when you're out there doing stuff for football, remember, do it for the good of the game. Take care. See you later.